The Sailor Jimmy Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Rooftop Solutions. Stephen Smolko and his team are the best in the roofing business. Give us a call at 832-512-5758. Again, that's 832-512-5758. Welcome to the Sailor Jimmy Podcast. Your one-stop shop for raw takes on current events, sports, news, and everything in between. Inspiring people to chase their dreams, share their success stories, and find joy in life. Now, here's your captain at the helm, U.S. Navy veteran, Jimmy Rogers. All right, we are back for another episode of the Sailor Jimmy Podcast. To all you shipmates out there, sorry we took a few weeks off. Took a little vacation time, got our thoughts together, and we're back here in the studio at Beefy Marketing in Tomball, Texas. And boy, do we have an awesome episode and guest for you guys today. When I decided, when I decided to start this podcast, we talked about it for a couple of years, me starting this podcast. By the way, I have my wife, Lindsay Rogers, on with us today. Hello. She needs no introduction. We talked about the guests that we had wanted to have on the show and the ones that we had dreamed of putting on and today... We uh, we have one of those guests that we that we dreamed of, Taya Kyle, the widow of the legend Chris Kyle. And Lindsay, I know you're a military spouse. You had the opportunity to serve with me uh, when I served in the Navy. And I know Taya Kyle has been a very influential person to you. So, how excited are you to be here today to have Taya on the show and ask her a few questions? And uh, I'm incredibly excited. Not only was Chris her husband, she is also an author. And she's the executive director of a, a nonprofit as well. But when you were serving, I read her book, American Wife. And because you were serving, I mean, it resonated with me a ton. And I mean, it was heartbreaking and just something you could never, ever imagine, like what it would be like to go through that. But what, you know, made me such a fan of hers is her resiliency and and most importantly her faith and how she got through it all and leaned on the people around her i mean the story is just incredible that and i think that's important to note that she turned such a tragedy into i don't think i don't really want to say you know made something good out of it. it's hard to make anything good out of that situation but i think it's important that she was able to turn that tra- take something that was tragic and She's done a lot of good with it as far as her message and her uh, getting out there in the community too and and inspiring a whole lot of women. For sure. What about her story do you think people can uh most learn from? Her faith. Yeah. I think so too, especially if you are a believer. I know she you know, I've I've read a lot about her life after the tragedy and how she was able to make it through those seriously dark times. And we'll get into a little bit of conversation with her about some of that in her faith later. But she talks a lot about her faith and uh, her warrior spirit that she believes God, you know, everybody's built with some sort of warrior spirit. And I think her warrior spirit and her faith in God's really helped her through that situation. She, um, she also has a new book called The American Spirit. That's I think you should probably read too because I believe that she had told you in person last time you, yeah, you spoke absolutely. with her that she's a she's also a founder uh, of a nonprofit organization just like yourself and she talks a little bit about her role and kind of that part of her life being in the nonprofit industry which we know as co-founders of a nonprofit can be um, can be challenging as well and it's it's probably probably really cool to see her insight on 
on Absolutely. that part of her life. I have it downloaded. I'm, I'll try and finish it before the gala. Sure. And speaking of the gala, we have Taya on here today as our guest on the podcast. We're going to be promoting the fact that she's going to be coming into town to uh, keynote speak at the 6th Annual Boots for Troops Gala at Margaritaville in Conroe, June 18th. So we have uh, record-breaking ticket sales for that event. And we're, we're super excited about that. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about that as well. That event is also presented by Guild Mortgage, Team Anderson, right here in Tomball, uh, Army veteran, and just fantastic people as well. Yeah, Mr. Jeff Anderson, who's assured me that to, at, at the gala, he's going to tell me why he wrote that first donation check years and years yeah. ago. He was one of the very first donors to Boots for Troops, and he has a story to tell. He had a story to tell last year, and it was funny, so maybe he'll entertain us again this year. I have no doubt. Anyways, so I guess uh, with all that being said, like I, I mentioned in, a few minutes ago, we're extremely excited to have Taya here with us today, and uh, without further ado... We'd like to welcome in Taya Kyle to the Sailor Jimmy podcast. Taya, thank you for taking some time to be here today. Thank you for having me. You bet. So we'd like to start the show with a little bit of rapid fire questions for you. So we're just looking for some one word responses. I have two questions myself and Lindsay has two questions for you as well. The first question is, if you could solve one world issue, what would it be? You're supposed to be rapid fire too, right? <laughs> uh, I know this one always makes okay. me think of it. Say that again. Faith. Faith? Faith. Okay. What is your favorite meal of the day? Breakfast. What's your favorite animal? Uh, lion. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee, coffee. That's three words, but it needed to be three words. Good answer. <laughs> exactly. I, to be honest, people don't understand, but I don't like tea and I'm from Texas, which is people find that really weird, but. It's all about the coffee anyways. <laughs> you got to have the coffee. Yeah. and. Jimmy, when you say tea and you mentioned Texas, I'm thinking you're talking about iced tea, sweet tea, not like hot tea, right? He's talking about sweet tea. Yeah. Well, any tea, tea, really. Mm -hmm. All tea. For some reason, the taste of tea does not just fit my palate. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, tea's a, it's a thirst quencher. I don't understand that. I like Gatorade to me or water is a thirst, not tea, but I don't know. Maybe I'm well, weird. And, you know, <laughs> now you're going to see the geek in me, the science person, but- Technically speaking, if it has caffeine in it, it's a dehydrator. So true. Tea has caffeine. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know nothing. <laughs> he about knows tea. nothing about tea. He wants know, nothing I'm, to do with it. Well, I know a lot about to, coffee, it's, but it's not, not tea. Real. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thanks, Taya, for being here. Uh, when Lindsay and I talked about starting, well, mostly me, I started talking about making a podcast like two years ago, and I threw around the idea for a few years. I was super busy working on my bachelor's degree, finally graduated college and decided to start this podcast and uh, have a little fun with it. We want to inspire people and uh, hear people's success stories. And when we, when we sat down and made a dream list of people we wanted on the podcast, you were on that list. So today's a very special episode for Lindsay and I. We're a military couple. We've been married for seven years seven now. Years. Lindsay met me three months before I left for boot camp for the Navy, and we've been together for 12 years. So because of your work Dang. in the community with military marriages and spouses, it's kind of a special episode for us. And I think this is only the second time Lindsay's joined me for an episode. So she would have probably well, divorced me if I didn't let her be on this episode because <laughs> <laughs> she's such no, a big listen, fan of I'm yours. I'm so honored. 
I appreciate y'all. I appreciate your service. And as you know, I mean, your, your viewers and guests probably don't need to know this, but I had this moment today where I was like, oh my God, call them. I'm not ready because <laughs> I woke up at 4.15 this morning. I was working on curriculum for the foundation and I was like, but I hit a wall usually around like three o'clock, right? And today the wall came at like one o'clock and I was like, no, I don't care. I'm powering through. I can do this. And then around two, like right before two o'clock, I panicked. But listen, I feel super happy now that I'm on with you guys and I rallied and you were so generous. So after you just said all those nice things, I apologize for even putting the idea out there that I might not, or I might want to postpone, but no, I'm thrilled to be here with you guys. The coffee's kicking in already. It's good. I think that we've experienced some of the same situations in our life multiple times where we go really hard in the morning and we hit that wall. So we we truly understand, but we're glad you're here. Thank you so much for joining us and being a part of this. We have some things we want to ask you. Lindsay and I, Lindsay's read your book, American Wife. Like I mentioned earlier, she's very inspired by your story. And I sat up doing some research on you the last couple of nights and really try to think about how to make the best of this interview and ask you uh, some things that were important to me and important to my listeners and my audience. And the first thing that came to my mind was, I know you're a very spiritual person and you you believe that God gave everybody kind of a warrior spirit. Can you talk to us a little bit about your warrior spirit, your faith, and how that's carried you through so many of, uh, or not so many, but of the darkest times in your life, obviously losing Chris and how the, your faith with God and that warrior spirit kind of carries you through? And how we all kind of face dark times in life and we have to have that warrior spirit. No, you know what, Jimmy, I totally agree with you. And I'm grateful that you asked the question. You were right. I think it's been that it's continued to be that for me. Honestly, it's it's interesting because I was just thinking about this the other day. I've been very vocal about my faith because it is something that has carried me, changed me. I am not the person I used to be. And it strikes me as almost odd how much different this part of me is, how bold it is. I I did not pray out loud forever. I mean, it's only been in the last decade that I've done that. I knew God, but I didn't have as much experience with that personal connection. And so I had some moments that strengthened my faith, but I didn't even know for sure if, you know, Jesus was really the son of God. I knew he was, you know, a good guy, a prophet, all this stuff. I knew I was supposed to believe that. I felt God, but I just wasn't sure. And Um, Before Chris was killed, probably 2011, 2012, I thought, you know, I don't want to have this lingering doubt. I'm going to start researching and seeing if this is like, is this, is Jesus the one that I should base my life on, you know, outside of just God. And so I started reading the case for Christ and heaven is for real. I mean, I remember sitting in bed and kind of giving Chris the cliff notes to heaven is for real. And he was like, wow, that's so cool. Cause he, he knew the Bible, you know, inside and out and and so with some of those things that, that people experienced after death and getting that glimpse into heaven was really validating a lot of that. So having said that, my kids and I had have had so much experience with God that I cannot deny it. I wouldn't, I, I mean, I can't even imagine deny it. It's so real and personal and evident in our lives and, and it's changed it. It's changed everything. And I want people to know that because I guess I wish I had known sooner, even though I was brought up in the church, I didn't really understand how personal God would get and how much access we really had to him, I guess. So anyway, I could go on for a long time. I'll stop myself there. But, but to say that, that it's important is, is probably the biggest understatement. It's really all I have sometimes. And I think a lot of people struggle with 
we all have that moment in our life where we, we want to question our faith. And sometimes it takes that experience in life where you have to experience God actually impacting your life or doing something that is, you, you know, you know, like God was, God did that, you know, and I think it can change, it can change your mind. For me, when I joined the military, a lot of people don't know that I didn't, I didn't want to join the military, but I felt like there was a, I was getting these signs from God saying, you need to join the military. And it was just like people randomly asking me before I even joined, Hey, are you in the military? And I, I was praying a lot about, Hey God, what's, what's your path for my life? Show me the path give me a sign. And then I kept getting these weird signs from people. And it's like, that's how I, you knew God was real because he, he came in your life and you felt him there. So I feel like maybe that's, you know, a lot of people are just, they don't, they never had that experience with God yet. I don't know. Well, and that was, you kind of, kind of answered one of my questions too, was, you know, what was your faith like before you lost Chris? Because I feel like so many of us are believers and don't often take the the time to, to strengthen our relationship with Christ until something happens, right? That kind of thrusts it upon us and what was what was it like for you before and then after cuz i feel like that's just been the biggest factor in carrying you through everything you're right no 100% it is and and it's fascinating to me because when i was little i felt god i went to an episcopal church and i just i would say the our father and i felt him like it was a heart feeling but i didn't believe in the devil i didn't believe that there was like a dark force or the spiritual realm that way. I just knew that I could feel different things spiritually. Like I get chills saying that now, the positive things, I, I, I could sense them in a way. And there was some history in our family of that. And so that, that validated that. And then when I started looking at Chris's life and his experience in war and some of the savage behavior against children and the way that some people would die when they just stepped onto the the combat field or, or they were on base. And then there'd be people like Chris running down an alleyway with bullets flying by and not dying. And so we had those opportunities to start talking about, you know, good and evil and the feeling of randomness to a lot of the ways that we get hit in life and the struggle. And so that, that grew my faith in a lot of ways. And I look at it, I look at the way that God loves us and, and protects us all as, as this, I think of my kids, if one of them had an amputation and I knew that they were going to have to have it, there was no getting around it. Then what would I do? I wouldn't like tell them everything that was going to happen, but I would, I would prepare them in little tidbits, little things where maybe they weren't even sure. Like they wouldn't know I was preparing them, but I was giving them little things I knew they'd need. I'd be them with them during the amputation. And after there to strengthen them. And I'd be like, okay, baby, listen, this is not going to get you. This is, we're going to go out and show the world that this did not end you. In fact, you're going to be stronger and better than ever. And, and I look at that and I think there's so much of this loving father that did exactly that for me. I didn't know I was being prepared for Chris's death, but I was in, in ways that I can look back now and see very clearly. And I didn't know at the time that I was being prepared for it. So that that's one way, I guess, um, that I can see how my faith was was starting and percolating in different ways before he was killed, that I had that chance to process it and that I was aware of good and evil and our friends in law enforcement, the things they've seen. There's just no way to deny that there's a darkness tempting all of us. And I'm okay with that now. Whereas before I just thought, nah, that's weird. So anyway, I'm just a changed person. I'm just a different person. And sometimes, Lindsay, to be honest with you, that even this week I've 
struggled to the point of tears with like, am I even fun anymore? Like, am I just so like, I see things so clearly, the darkness and the light, and I have this faith and I have this awareness of pain and in my own life and other people's lives. And it's a cruel world. And I just, I got this to this place of like, maybe it was more fun when I didn't know all this. And Chris and I were just sort of rebellious and goofy. And, and then I, I realized that what I really needed to was just, was to go back in deeper. And so I feel like I'm rambling, but just, but everything was irritating me. The Christian music I loved was irritating me. TV shows that were like lighthearted, nothing was making me feel like sort of satisfied. And I asked my son what I could do. He would listen to some things, devotionals and stuff, but I, I didn't want to do that. And he said, mom, go to the Bible project on YouTube and just hit a video. And so I was in the tractor and I just started listening to these short eight minute videos describing books in the Bible. And all of a sudden I felt like peace again and happiness. And that, that's wild to me. I mean, there, there's no way to explain that except to say that there was something I, I was, I don't know. I guess I just needed more something. I, I, I don't think you're boring. I think you're very interesting. I think you, I think you see life through a very different and interesting uh, set of eyes that can be uh, inspiring to many people. You're, but I do agree that we live in a very, very dark and evil world, especially in these days. And I was questioning myself earlier today. I'm like, how do, because I'm a human, we're all human. How do human beings get to such a dark place that they want to go do such cruel and mean things to people? Like, what about, how, how does that even, how do, I mean, even in my most angry moments, I wouldn't want wish some of these things upon my biggest enemies. I don't really have any enemies. The world is so evil sometimes. And I just, and that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was what do you, why do you think that is? Do you think that it's like a lot of the culture that we live in these days with so much, like children are being, uh, have so much access to violence. And I mean, you look at the entertainment industry and they, and they're, they're, you know, video games, the video games. And it's just, it's not the same as it was, but I, I have a hard time understanding how people can do such cruel things. I mean, I understand mental health is an, is an issue, but how do you get to such a dark place where you say, I'm going to go murder somebody or I'm going to go shoot up a school? It's just, it's heartbreaking. And how do we, as a world and as a society, how do we, how do we fix it? How do we make it? How do we turn the direction back to God and back to, honestly, I think it's educating our youth and, and doing a better job of educating the youth to love and not hate and, Having compassion. Having compassion. and, and uh, It is such a dark world sometimes. Yeah, I think there, there are a number of things. I think one of them is that, you know, never has a generation been more connected. And at the same time, never has a generation been more lonely. So the lie is that we're so connected and we have all these friends and opportunities. And the truth is that people are lonelier than ever because it's all surface level. I've heard things too, where people have said, you know, when communities were smaller and they didn't have all the following, so to speak, if you were the best carpenter in your area, your purpose was you were the best carpenter in the area, right? And now it's like, you know, you have to be the best in the world to even be credited with so-called, you know, uh, achievement. And it's a lie. I mean, these are all lies. We're living in a world of lies. The, the, the truth is, if you're a great carpenter, you're a great carpenter. But the, the lie that society is sort of like, it's permeating into us. And so this attention currency, where the people that are, are 
elevated, so to speak, are the people that get attention. And, and even if they're victims, you know, their attention, and we're looking at like the Joker, Maleficent, you know, all these, these um, characters, the darkness is embraced instead of calling it what it is and saying, no, that is not where our attention is focused. I think we don't realize how impactful our attention is, what we pay attention to grows. And so all of that to say, on the one hand that, on the other hand, then what's happening to families? You know, I've been guilty of it too, saying, oh my gosh, I'm on my phone and my kid's right in front of me. Let me stop and let's talk. And hey guys, we're gonna, you know, put phones down. We're gonna have a conversation in the car on a road trip. We're gonna talk about stuff. We're gonna invest in each other. We have, that's a conscious effort nowadays where before you did it, cause there was nothing else to do almost, you know? I think that we're losing a lot of the humanity when we do all of those things. I noticed that the other night at dinner in the restaurant, I looked around the restaurant and every table had people on their phone. It's yeah. just like, it's not the, it's not the same anymore. I just think we need to find the more of the human connection. And I also try to be compassionate towards it being a different generation. Like I do hear my mother-in-law and other, my father and elder people talk about, you know, it was a different time and we didn't, when they didn't have cell phones and how this They would actually sit down to right. dinner every night with their mom and dad or their family but, and have conversation. But, but we can, we can talk about that as much as we want, but we have to be compassionate towards the, they're in a different world and how do we, it's not going to go away. So how do we, you know, whether it's through parenting or, you know, limiting the time or what, how do we educate our youth and discipline them into, so they grow up to be good people and they feel valued and important in their family and their home and in school and with their friends? Because that's another thing is these kids, you know, they, they're all in competition. So anyways, I, I, I see the, the side of how we need the more human interaction, but how do we do it the best way? Because we're just living in a different world. We are. And I think, but acknowledging it is one thing. And the other thing is you're right. You have to, you have to live in the world. And I think with that, we, we teach our kids, how do you live in the world? Right. And so in that way, I started at, from the time my kids were really young talking about this stuff, right. Talking about what do you say when you witness somebody bullying somebody else? And we literally role played it out. What do you say when you see somebody offering drugs? And we, we role played it out before they're in the time of their life where they don't think I know things, right? And, and before <laughs> they're in a time in their life where they need it. We did things like, okay, you say, no, you don't want any. And they say, that's stupid. My brother does it all the time, right? Like we role played those things out. And then we as parents want something more. We have to invest in our kids and invest in the time and put our own stuff down and make our own sacrifices. And like for me, I make sure that I talk about those choices with my kids. I'm a communicator and I, I go a little bit above and beyond, I think, to communicate those things to my kids when I see them. So I can say, look, we're not going to judge that person because it's not our position to judge. But if you look at that example, what do you see that could be harmful? Or what do you see that could be good? What would you want to emulate? What would you want to change? If you were their parent, what would you expect of that kid? I try to raise them where when I can, I give them the power to make decisions so that they can practice making it and leading part of the family in certain ways. For me, it's all about just investing and it takes time, man. Like we're all tired when we're parents, but we got to set our crap down and take the time to invest in them. We're not parents yet, but I'm sure we will be one day, but that's all good stuff to know. You got to, you got to put the time in with the children. Like I said, you got to have that healthy balance. I remember growing up 
you know, this is a young kid. We listen, listen to rap music, playing basketball, but also my parents had me in church. So, I mean, I knew right from wrong and I knew, you know, I could separate the two because I had that parenting. You had a strong, strong leaders in your family that always kept faith close right. to you. I'd like to transition into another topic, if you don't mind. I posted on, on Facebook that I was going to be interviewing today and asked people, you know, what would you ask Tay if you had the chance? So it's kind of a fan question or a follower question that I thought was a very interesting one. They asked, did you, did you lose trust in helping people after what happened to your husband while he was helping others? If so, how did, how did you overcome that? Or have you been able to overcome the distrust after being hurt from it all? And I found that I found it was a very interesting question because Lindsay and I are in the nonprofit industry and we help a lot of people. So, yeah, I think there are a few things. One is that in the murder trial, I learned a lot. And one of the things that the prosecution and the defense both testified that this guy did not have PTSD had nothing to do with that from what I could see and what they were saying. He did not have a mental health issue, according to them. This is, in my opinion, this was somebody who was entitled and used his service to get out of things. That was some of what I saw, in my opinion, in the trial, you know, getting out of tickets or getting a job or using that when he didn't see combat according to to what they were saying you know and but he used that and so i i think there's always going to be a person who does that there's always going to be a person who takes advantage of a system my challenge has been and part of what i think was bringing me a little bit to tears this week even was it it was chris's murder it was the business dealings that he had and things that he discovered before he died that I was trying to continue to dig us, him out of other lawsuits, other business people. I've been ripped off a couple of times, you know, when I was in deep grief. And I just think, you know, after a while, people have misstated things. People that you would think would be an authority on our lives have said horrible things. And I, I've looked at that and thought, if I'm all of those people, I can tell you, I was trying to serve, do right by not engage, walk the high road, and it hurts. It it hurts, right, when you get that. And so at some point you go, okay, so where is my trust? Where should I give my trust? And I think that goes back to, in my opinion, I think there's a darkness that is going to attack the light. And so if I'm like teetering here, the darkness is like going to try to devour it. And so if it comes in that strong, I have to go, deeper into the light to combat that. That's one thing. And I found that, okay, so if I can't trust people, then I have to trust God. And then I started to think, well, how do you trust God? What is that like? If I can't be known by people for my heart and my intentions and my soul, who can I be known for or known by? Really only God. Like, you know, if you think about it from cradle to grave, the only person who knows your every thought, every intention, your heart is God. So who should you look to then? Right. And I, and I will look to him and I, and it's not like I'm going to get back. Like you're awesome. Taya every time, you know, it's like, Hey, I love you, baby here. This is good. Now, how about this? How about if you try a little of this, you know, you could adapt here and do better here. So I guess that's a long winded way of saying I have been very sad about the nature of man and that we're likely to be hurt by a lot of people I've been hurt by more people after Chris's death than I ever was before. And I can't explain that, but I can say that it also made me cherish the very few people who are trustworthy and loyal and 
and have a heart like yours, Jimmy, where you said, I can't imagine hurting somebody else. Like, you know, my assistant who you talked to is, is probably one of the best people that's ever walked the planet. And she is literally the person that if there was a nickel in the console of the car, you know, and she used it, man, she would say, Hey, do you mind if I just use the five cent? I put five, whatever. I mean, that she wouldn't even use in the first place, honestly. I mean, she'd rather, you know, starve to death than probably, but my point is those people exist and they're good because they love God mostly. And they're good because they love being good. And those are the ones you can truly trust and, and, feel good about it. I I think otherwise she wouldn't be your assistant. You know, you get, it takes, you got to really trust somebody to put them that close to you. And though I'll tell you this, she was, she was a godsend note. I mean, 100%. She, she's a, she was dating a guy in this small town that I live in, but she's from the small town outside of San Diego that I was from. What are the chances Texas to San Diego? And the person that connected us, she was in college at the time. And a friend of mine back in that small town in San Diego said, I have a family who needs help. I don't want to tell you their name or anything about them. All I can tell you is they need help and they need someone they can trust. Would you be, do you have the time and energy to be paid very little to come in and help them? And she said, yes. And she just showed up not knowing who, what, where, when, and she's been with me ever since. And that you have, the only way I can explain that is God. Right. Yeah. It has to chances. Be. Yeah. And she did it because of her faith. So I really like what you said about, you know, like who, who does it really, who really matters? You know, it's so easy. I think these days to get wrapped up in all the ugliness and, you know, people are quick to judge someone they don't know. They have no idea what their life's been like, what they've been through, what their journey is and assume something about someone and can be extremely hurtful. And, you know, it's so easy to kind of want to jump to it and defend yourself and, say, no, that's so wrong. You have it all wrong. But taking a, a, a step back and saying, I mean, who does it, who really matters? Does this person matter? That's only going to cause me more frustration, anger, or, you know, do we give it to God to that's, that's the I, final I, judgment. I think Lindsay is referring to, and you probably have experienced a lot of this in your life, Taya, is, you know, you try to, you do so much good for the world and for your community, for society. And then you have keyboard warriors on Facebook and social media who jump in and say, you know, why are you guys sending boots to the troops? Because don't they get boots from the government? Like, this is a scam, blah, blah, blah. And you just want to be like, no, it's not a scam. Like, learn more about it before you start just making comments. But yeah. you learn through years and years of doing it that you got to have alligator skin and you got your weight. You're just wasting your time with those people. And no matter what you do and how much good you do, there's always going to be people that try to bring you down. And, you know, I, I try to kill them with kindness and, and just. That's so it, it used to, to affect me sometimes. so badly for for a long time. It affected me because it made me just not want to do any good anymore. It's like, why am I doing this good? You'd have a thousand people love you and one or two people try to run you into the ground and it makes you want to quit. And then you learn that it, it's not about those one or two people that are being nasty. It's about the thousand people that love what you're doing and, and want to support it and, and support you. And it's, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced a ton of that type of stuff and it's just, it sucks, but. Yeah. You got to learn to deal with it. Yeah. And I think one of the things, I don't know if this is true for you, but it really, the gift of that is it forced me to get to a place of a lot of grace that I don't think I would have gotten to before because I really started to think more, okay, what is this person really saying? And what, what is their, what's the emotion behind this? Now I'm, we're not going to figure that out all the time and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But what I have noticed is I'll say, something like one of the things I love in this country is the freedom of speech. And I'm, you know, I appreciate your comment. What is it that makes you, you know, I'd love to hear more about what your concern is. Right. And 
And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But my point is, I guess at the end of the day, I like to feel like I'm growing in my grace. And that's one opportunity for me to try to do that. Sometimes I've noticed that it's just better not to respond. But but the truth is, I am grateful for freedom. I am grateful for communication. And I do think that we live in a society that wants to write each other off really fast. And I had somebody say, you can't be a Christian and participate in cancel culture. And I was like, wait, let me think about that for a minute. And I was like, you know, I guess that's true. Because if you really are a Christian, you know that all of us are imperfect and we all made mistakes. So you don't just cancel someone like that, right? Now we can distance ourselves from people who have repeated bad behavior. I believe in that. If somebody that hurts you doesn't want to be forgiven, then, or even ask for forgiveness or acknowledge it, then, you know, you can forgive on your side, but you don't put yourself back in the situation for more abuse. Like I've learned, you know, a lot of those things. And I was thinking this too, side note, but you know, with, with what you do in the nonprofit world, I don't know if this has ever gotten to you, but this society of followers and, you know, I had to, at some point go really be, make an intentional decision about, I'm not in this for the followers. I'm in this for the truth of it. So I have to just speak truth and let it happen. Right. And then you get sometimes, but this all goes back to the Bible, by the way. Right. So we're not supposed to compare ourselves to other people. And we have to know that every action we take has a ripple effect and the Holy Spirit and God are taking care of the rest. If you don't really believe that, it's a platitude and it doesn't help. If you really believe it, like I do and I think you do, then you can say, okay, my foundation has X amount of followers. And this person who's throwing trash and rap and, you know, whatever is getting like millions or whatever followers. And you have to go, but that's not, that's not about me. That's not about, that's not why I'm here. It's not why I'm doing it. And so I think, you know, the, the honest raw truth of it is I think all of us, when we're doing good work at some point go, well, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, no, you're not doing anything wrong. You just keep doing the the work that you're assigned to do and do it well. Yeah. And And I think if you stay, for me, if I've always tried to stay mission focused. So if, like you said, if I keep my heart and soul into why doing this in the first place and find the joy in that, then it kind of overpowers all that negative and, and stuff that people like to you know say and be hateful, but you can find a if you if you just focus on, like you said the, the the good that you're the good that we are do we are all doing and and why we started in the first place and God always has a way of bringing it back around right you can get so burnt out sometimes on certain things and whatever and and maybe you start to question it and then you get that one email with that testimonial in saying you just completely changed their whole deployment or their marriage or whatever it is and that's the tiny one little thing that you needed that just changes it all and it's like oh gosh what was I even complaining about you know (laughs) yeah and they say for every life that you change it it impacts a million right so because They've got the people that they're going to touch who are younger than them and older than them. And those people are going to touch 10 more, are going to touch 10 more. Gonna, you know, so every ripple you put out into the world, whether it touches one person or a million, is it, it's kind of not up to us, right? But I think my point in that is not the numbers. It's more the, the thought of, like you said, it does matter. And for that person, it mattered. And it's going to matter for every life that touches that person's life. It's all woven together. Well, Taya, we're super excited to have you come in town uh, next weekend. We have a really, really special evening planned for our followers, our donors, our supporters who have been so loyal to us. And we've got record ticket sales for this year. I think we're over 300 RSVP'd guests. Last year, we had around around 250. Mm -hmm. 
We have some really cool special presentations. We're it's the, it's the first year we're giving. So you may find this interesting. Education's always been important to me. I still think there's a value in getting your education. So last year I launched the Military Spouse uh, Scholarship Fund, and we actually have two military spouses joining us at the gala to receive their scholarship to go to college, and it's our first time giving out the wow. scholarship. So that's going to be a really cool uh, presentation, and then. We're adopting a service dog. There's just a lot of really positive and great things for our military families, and we're so happy that you're coming in to join us. Yeah. I know Lindsay's excited. We actually met you briefly. I don't know. You probably won't remember, but on the Patriot Tour, we were Chad Fleming's guest at one of the stops here in Houston, and we had got to meet you for a brief moment. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be exciting well, you to meet familiar, you again. But, you know, I hate to say it if I'm wrong, but yeah, that's awesome. Yep. We're going to release this podcast a couple, about a week before the, the gala. Uh, fortunately for us, we're pretty much sold out. So it's not really, hey, get your table, buy a ticket. But for the people that do listen to this episode, what can they expect to hear? Or what do you have in store? First of all, I'm honored to be a part of a great night that you have planned. I know a lot of work goes into that. So thank you for inviting me. I think for the most part, when I get up, I try to just be an encourager and talk about perseverance and let people know that they're not alone and hopefully have them leave with some some tools and some soul strength in how they can persevere and also lift other people up when they get the chance and they don't always have to look for it. I think it finds them. So that's the the overall message. I think we need more of that in this world. We need we need people to to lift each other up more. I found an interesting TikTok video a couple of days ago about you know, when girls see each other, when they first meet for, and they haven't seen each other in a while, they hug each other and they scream and they, oh my God, good to see you. And they hug each other. When God, when we see our boys, we're like, we kind of ignore each other and we're real tough and have all, we all have this manly posture. And I'm like, man, I'm all about lifting my boys up too. I want to see my boys do good. I want to see everybody be successful. And I think the world needs more of that vibe because yeah. everybody's so quick to go negative or assume let's, I think we need more of an uplifting message. So I'm, I'm so excited to have you come and, and give that. Yeah. Well, I kind of had a little question. You're the executive director of the Tay and Chris Calfan Foundation, and you also do a ton of speaking. I know just how busy, busy my husband is with Boots for Troops, and then he owns three other companies. Managing everything that comes at you, it just seems all at once from every single direction from a million people. What advice could you give? What have you found that to manage your time and help you kind of balance everything. Well, I heard a really good quote from somebody a while back and he said, I don't, and he's was one of those guys that had like you, you know, just a ton of things going on and the weight of the world on their shoulders. They were doing some like international events and stuff. And he said, I don't manage my time. I manage my energy. That was one of them. The other one was somebody was telling me about power hours and they said, you can get more done in your power hours than you could the rest of the day. So you have to know when those are. Mine are when I first wake up in the morning. And so, which is comical because I used to never be a morning person. But so if I, if I put in my first two or three hours of work, I'll probably get more done in those first two or three hours than I will the rest of the day. So if you're managing your energy, find your power hour, whenever that is power hours, set those aside and make sure you're focused. The other thing, there's a book called Peak Performance that I was so intrigued by this, but they said, there's a guy who they did all the research and he's supposed to be the most like efficient and powerful person in, in business across at least our country. And the way he did it is, so he had a desk with nothing on it and he had an assistant outside the room, his phone, not in the drawer, not in the desk outside the room. 
And if he was working on a piece of paper, his computer was off and he was working on the, the document, he'd put it away. If he had a meeting, nothing was on his desk. The person came in, he had a half hour and he 100% focused solely like eyes on, right? And then when that person was gone, he so the point was, if you give your undivided attention to something and, and you can't have your phone even in the room because studies show that your brain will still be pinging like, is it okay? Is there, that you'll be super efficient. So I try to find tricks like that. And then the last thing is I've noticed that rest is, is vitally important and, and so is time with your loved ones. So if you, if you're managing your energy, those two things need a lot more time than you think in order for you to have the best energy for all your work. That's all really good stuff. Yeah. I really like the power hour thing because I think the way my mind works, if I get focused and I have that, I can get more done in one hour. Like I can, Absolutely. I can have a really bad day or two where I get nothing done. And then if I'm like, okay, I just didn't, I just really, I don't want to say effed off. I'll just say effed. I effed off for two days. So now it's time to get back yeah. on track and I'll just like, okay, in two hours I can just go hardcore and I can like yeah. feel like I'm right back on track. Yeah. So the thing with that, that I've noticed too is, so I used to be like, oh, I feel bad about myself if I'm not working. So now if I'm doing it differently, I'm saying, I know that power hour is there and I am going to give a hundred percent of my joy to the time, like that time where you're effing off, you know, yeah. if you're spending it with Lindsay and doing something super fun, yeah. like don't, you don't have to go like, oh, I should be at work. Like give that the fun and the joy and then you'll be, you know, super powerful in your power hour too. But Lindsay, sorry, I, I, do, I did cut you no, off. No, that's okay. You say? What you said about the, I think, peak performance message, eliminating distraction because, oh my gosh, like, are we all not so guilty about it? We're working on something here. We've got our computer there. We've got our phone. We've got somebody coming in. We've got a million things going on all at once. Like, how do we get anything done in the first place? Right. Somehow. But, Sla- uh, you slam the office door and powerful. you put a note that says, do not disturb. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. I mean, I'll say that sometimes like, like to my kids or something, I'll say, Hey, I don't have my phone. Call your sister and she'll get my attention if you need it. You know, I'll literally like, I mean, they always have a backup plan to get to me just for my kids, but I do try to actually put it away from me because it's just, yeah, it's so easy to get distracted. I'll add one thing to your three that helps me and what I found in my success is having good people around you, having a good team around oh, you, yeah. Lindsay and Shelby and, and Dallas, every, everybody that works for me and is surrounds me. And once they get to know me and how I operate, like there's such a blessing in my life. I wouldn't be able to do anything without them. So having good people that care about you, that have your best interests, that's another way to kind of manage your time and your energy because they help you a lot with that. And so I'll just add from my life, that's important. Yeah. And you know, there's a, one of the guys that I respected in, in business too, we were going through some things and I was going to have to, I thought let somebody go. And I was talking to him about it and he said, Hey, I'll tell you one thing in my 30 years of business, the first time I think I'm going to have to let somebody go, I might as well just let them go because I've tried, I've tried to work with them. I've done performance improvement, whatever. And it, all it does is prolong it until this time. Now he has the spirit that I have, which is, I don't ever want to let somebody go. Right. So it's not like a a trigger thing where they're just like, ah, everybody goes. So there's a, he's saying, if you don't want to let people go and you're getting, and you've gotten to the point where you think you need to let them go, you're better to make the decision and in kindness and love. Right. One of the best pieces of advice I got with that was, I believe that you're great. I think it's time for you to be great somewhere else. I love you that. You know, this is just not the right fit. And I, and I think that's the <laughs> truth. I think people are great and sometimes yeah. not in the right fit. Sure. 
Certainly. Well, again, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today and taking the time. I know you have a busy schedule, so we really appreciate it. And uh, if you need anything leading up to the gala, we're here for you and we're excited to have you. So thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you both for having me. Of course. Can't wait to see you next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see you soon. All right. Take care, Have a good one. Here in Texas, it seems each year the weather's becoming more and more extreme. Heating, air conditioning, and refrigeration maintenance, repair and replacement can no longer be left to your run-of-the-mill contractor. In today's world, you need a company that can provide not only top-notch services, but also provide excellent customer service and is reliable, honest, and professional. Well, folks, we're here to tell you, Texas Refrigeration and AC Services, better known as TX Racks, is the company you've been looking for. Texas-born, Texas-owned, with 30-plus years of experience, TX Racks offers a full range of services for residential and commercial heating, cooling, and refrigeration. If you're looking for the best of the best to handle your preventative maintenance, which will keep your equipment operating efficiently and prevent unnecessary breakdowns. If you're looking for a company that is well-trained in indoor air quality to keep your family and employees healthy and happy. If you're looking for a company with integrity, reliability, and great customer service, look no further. TX Racks has you covered. They offer a full range of air conditioning, heating, and refrigeration services using the most up-to-date technology and training with a mobile app to keep you informed about the arrival of your technician and the expert knowledge and experience to evaluate the quality of air you're breathing, along with always providing a live professional to take your call. TX Racks keeps Texas homes and businesses warm in the winter, cool in the summer, and keeps all of us covered with the best warranties in the business. Always on time, always dependable. Call TX Racks for all your cooling, heating, and air quality needs. TX Racks is your go-to in Texas. Always ready to rack up on satisfied customers. Call TX Racks today. Wow. What a, uh, that was that was a pretty special interview for me. I know it probably was for you. I, I think my favorite part of it was what she said about uh, I, you. Had, I think which was the question, the best question of the interview was, how do you manage your time? And I know you're you're laughing at me, and you did that because of me. But um, I just love the power hour thing because yeah. that's that so relatable. Advice. But uh, what a genuine. Uh, she's just how personal she got about even this week, how she's in her own head and thinking, is she boring? Like she's not afraid to tell people how she feels. And she is too. I think it's very authentic. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, I'm excited to have her next week. I'm excited for this year's gala. Um, It's going to be, I think one of the best ones we've ever had. Uh, We have amazing auction item gifts. We have just so many cool presentations. Powerful testimonials. Yeah. So pumped. What's your favorite thing you're looking forward to at the gala? Besides it being at Margaritaville and the pool and all that. Um, I think a really cool <laughs> thing that's going to happen is last year, you know, we introduced the military, Jimmy Rogers Military Spouse uh, Scholarship, and this year we actually get to award it. So that's a really cool thing that's come back around. And then I'm super excited about the dog video. And then this, this year's Golden Heart Award winner. The awardee does not know who they are yet or that they are winning and uh i can't wait to see the look on their face i might be the most excited do you um do you think they're gonna cry yes okay yes the other exciting thing too is the emotion and the art guy coming so the guy coming to do the live painting so that's gonna be interesting a lot of just really cool stuff uh i think we're getting really good at this (laughs) we should be now after five years right yep
Anyways, I want to uh, before we sign off, I want to say thank you to our show sponsors, Texrax AC and Refrigeration Services. My boy Dougie, Dougie Fresh, we call him the cool guy. Yeah. Um, if you have any AC, air conditioning, heating uh, issues, commercial or residential, call Doug. Um, you'll probably see one of his ads roll through the episode. And then also Scaffold North America, JJ McGinnis. Uh, scaffolding go check them out on online and uh, thank you jj and scaff from north america for sponsoring as well we are looking for additional sponsors so if you uh, are interested in sponsoring the sailor jimmy podcast feel free to reach out to us and um, thank you guys for joining thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on the sailor jimmy podcast thanks for listening to the sailor jimmy podcast be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode for more information or to connect with jimmy Check us out on the web at SailorJimmy.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SailorJimmyTX, on Instagram at SailorJimmyTX, and on TikTok at SailorJimmy. We'll see you next time.